Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we have the opportunity to talk the stuff of uh, our call to witness to our faith. And I am most excited this Monday evening because we have the opportunity to talk about something very close to my heart, and that is Carmelite spirituality. You have heard me talk about my Carmelite cloistered sister before. I have explained in great detail what that means and uh, what her vocation means, just not for our family, but certainly for the church. Well, this evening, I have two very special guests who are here to talk uh, the stuff of just not Carmelite spirituality, as I've talked about it before, unless we just hit the refresh button. No, but what Carmelite spirituality looks like in the world. And again, I have two guests uh, so there's three of us here in the studio, which is always exciting for me. Uh, George Wing, you know George Wing. He has joined me on Tuesday evenings to talk church history. Well, he is also uh, very involved, as he will share this evening with Carmelite Spirituality. So he has been so generous with his time to join me uh, this evening. So George, uh, great to have you with me another evening. Yeah, thanks, Joe, for having me on. And a very, very special guest here, Virginia Hall from Red Bluff. Sacred Heart Parish in Red Bluff. She is a leader within the Carmelite community there in Red Bluff. So she has a lot to share with us. So Virginia, thank you for uh, being with us here this evening. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Joe. Uh, it's, it's exciting to talk about something that's so dear to my heart. Amen. And uh, as it's dear to all of us, you know, we have 20 minutes to talk and now about 26 <laughs> minutes. So let's just jump right in. And for the sake of our listening audience this evening, I thought it would be good uh, to talk briefly, maybe in a thumbnail sketch manner, about the Carmelites and maybe where it started. And I think out from there, we'll have the necessary working context to draw from for our listening audience. Well, the Carmelite order... There are actually two Carmelite orders in the Catholic Church. It's a religious order or religious orders. Religious orders would be congregations within the Catholic Church that manifest a particular charism or gift of the Holy Spirit within the individuals, but then also corporately as a group. And a charism, gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, for building up the body of Christ and for service to the church. Now, the Benedictines, for instance, are a monastic order, and they would have a, a charism for prayer and would seek solitude. Uh, the Carmelites, uh, not strictly monastic, in other words, the men are not called monks, they're called friars, because they bring their work into places where populations are concentrated. Mm -hmm. Now, the Benedictines, for instance, the monks would seek solitude in the wilderness, but with Carmelites being friars, they're going to be not necessarily self-supporting, and um, they're going to be found in, you know, in areas where there's population. 
There are three groups, you might say, of friars. They're called the mendicant orders, the Carmelites, the Dominicans, and the Franciscans. Mm -hmm. They do not take vows of stability. In other words, they do not remain in the same convent or monastery their entire life as a Benedictine would, as a monk would, but they might be moved around by a superior uh, through the course of their life. Now, the Carmelite order, then, one of the three great mendicant orders, has its origin in the Holy Land uh, in the 13th century in the wake of the Crusades. Mm -hmm. There were crusaders from Europe, and they could have been soldiers, chaplains, merchants following along uh, in the wake of the crusader armies who sought a life of prayer and contemplation. And we might use the expression, it was their desire to seek God's face. In the origin of the order, you see the charism. And not that all Christians do not seek God in some way mm -hmm. or seek prayer. But what makes Carmelites uh, distinct is the passion which, with which they seek the face of God. Mm -hmm. So these men join together as hermits on Mount Carmel in what is now Israel, the city of Haifa is uh, located at the base of Carmel. This was the location of Elijah's cave, Elijah from the Old Testament. And according to legend, one of the priests had a vision of Elijah, and this was perhaps the catalyst that brought these hermits together in the spirit of Elijah, passionately seeking God, great zeal for the Lord of hosts, and came together to form an association of the brothers of Our Lady, of Mount Carmel. So that's the origin of the Carmelite order in the 13th century. Mm -hmm. Now, the Christians were not able to hold control of the Holy Land. Eventually, the Saracens came in, Muslims, and they regained control. The hermits left Mount Carmel and found their way back into Europe, where their life became less eremitical, in other words, less hermit-like, and more communal in the sense of ministering to the needs of the people, but they never lost that original fire that is seeking the face of God and seeking God through quiet and contemplation. So their way of life changed as a result of moving into Europe, back into Europe, but the spirit was not diminished. Now, there are two Carmelite orders, the ancient order and then the Discalced Carmelite Order. Virginia and I are members of the Discalced Order as secular Carmelites. The Discalced, or you might say Reformed Carmelites, came about in the 16th century um, through the work of St. Teresa of Jesus, or commonly known in the English-speaking world as Teresa of Avila. Mm -hmm. And her collaborator, a uh, younger friar by the name of John of the Cross. Those two are considered the founders of the Discalced Carmelite Order. But it's important to recognize that the Carmelite Order itself is unique in the Catholic Church in that it really has no, in its ancient origins, no single charismatic founder. So what you have here is this group of people passionately seeking God. Mm. That's a little different. Yeah, it is. And um, now, over the centuries, lay people, people living in the world, have admired and have wanted to emulate the way of life of monks or nuns and to bring that spirituality into their daily life. 
So that's really the origin of what we would call third orders, or in our case, secular order. Mm-hmm. Um, we are lay people who are attracted greatly to this quest for God, seeking God in prayer, and we have found an affinity with Tereshian spirituality, with Carmelite spirituality. So the order and the church has made provision for this. Beginning about the 17th, 18th century, there was the formation of the Carmelite third orders. And um, our secular order, or branch of the discalced Carmelites, is, is that expression. So there are three branches in the Carmelite order, the friars, the nuns, mm-hmm. and the seculars, mm-hmm. meaning mm-hmm. we live in the world, secular world. Right. Yeah. right. So, Virginia, let me ask you, George here, he's talking about this passion and, and, and thirst for Jesus. You were telling me uh, four years ago that you started this group in Red Bluff, was it in fact that? I mean, what led you mm-hmm. to become a, and as I understand, professed secular oh. uh, Carmelite? What was first impressed upon your heart? And maybe uh, in light of that, you can speak uh, a little bit to what you're doing up in Red Bluff. Well, over six years ago, I discovered the fact that there were such a thing as a discal secular order. And that goes back like 30 years before when I read a book by Father Thomas Dubay, mm, The Fire the Within, fire within. <laughs> I fell in love with that book yeah. and the Carmelite spirituality, mm. or before that, I didn't know anything about it. So over the years, I go back to it and reread parts of it. Mm. And so when I discovered in Sacramento that there was a, a secular uh, order of Discalced Carmelites, I, it just spoke to me so powerfully that I couldn't ignore it. Mm. So I ended up calling them the number that was listed in our directory. Before you know it, I was at their meeting two days later, and all the while complaining or discussing with the Lord, how is this possible? Why am I being so drawn Mm. when it's just out of the question that I'm going to be driving a four-hour trip, Mm. round trip, Mm. to come to monthly meetings? And about the third time I was doing this, I definitely got the idea that he was going to use me to begin a group in Red Bluff. Mm. Mm. And uh, I wasn't sure whether that was just my imagination or the Holy Spirit, but I kept that tucked in the back of my mind, and that gave me the courage to go on with great inconvenience of the commute. So I did teach a class, as I'm also the uh, team leader of the adult faith formation in our parish. So I taught this class of spirituality of Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross. And from that class, there was a group of Catholics from Reading, actually, uh, that were really interested in having a secular group started, because mm. I talked about it. Sure, sure. And so we met, and, we dis- and on January, the first month of the year, the 11th day and the 11th year, uh, we had our first meeting, so it's one eleven eleven. I thought that was kind yeah, of yeah. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an easy way to remember it, that's yeah, for sure. it is. And um, we got permission to do that, and the provincial delegate took care of our needs and sent uh, a wonderful woman to us from the Sacramento Order to be our formation director, and she had to do that for three years until I made my final promises. Amen. And then now I'm the formation director, and George is one of my assistants. 
it is an exciting thing. Our numbers, we started with nine, and now we have 20. Mm. So it's growing on its own. Yeah, you know, George, you spoke earlier to the importance of uh, charism. A charism is that which builds up the people of God. It, it's It's a benefit to the church. And mm-hmm. I, I hear you talking, Virginia, we started with nine, and now we're at 20. And who knows what God is going to, to do with it, but... You know, Virginia, the other thing that really struck me was how God spoke to your heart. You know, all of these charisms speak to the uniqueness of who God is calling us to be right. in the world, right? right? Okay, my sister is praying and working behind closed doors, and she has a very special, unique vocation. Of course, the two of you in the world, you're espousing towards uh, this spirituality. So important. Yes, we we have something very important to offer the world because we're all seeking something. God created us, wired us to come to him, to want him. And often we don't recognize that. Mm -hmm. And we seek it in different ways. But Teresa and many saints and John of the Cross have found the way to God and uh, have come up with all kinds of ideas and how to help us do that, form us so that we can be open to that. So we seek that. We are very relevant for people today mm-hmm. because everybody wants that, even though they may not know it. Mm-hmm. We, we, we thirst for God's love. Absolutely. Um, sometimes we're looking in the in wrong places. That's right. <laughs> but when we find God's love, when we uh, find that fulfillment, that ongoing fulfillment, we want to stay there. The number of Carmelite saints and blesseds is absolutely astonishing. Mm, mm. Uh, and is included in that are three doctors of the church that are from the Carm- Carmelite order, mm-hmm. St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, and St. Teresa of Lisieux, the little flower. But there are many, many more who have uh, masters of spirituality, have either written or who preached of this message of seeking divine intimacy. What we're looking at you know, is this is the personal relationship with Christ on steroids. Hey. <laughs> I can't describe it any other way. Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 what characterizes a Carmelite is this great passion for God. Mm-hmm. And of course, we live in a, in a world that is hungering for God and oftentimes seeking for God, perhaps in the wrong places. Mm-hmm or attempting to manipulate God through a kind of technique or a method. It's not to say that there are not different ways of, of prayer, but we have to realize that we're dealing with a God who is personal and not a God who is like a set of laws and principles, but who is a person and who seeks us. He created us. We're in his image and likeness. And as Teresa of Avila said, and prayer is being with the one that we know loves us. Amen. You know, the church over the last 50 years has really entrusted us with this great mission to evangelize the people of God, to first, of course, be evangelized, but to then go forth and evangelize. A a mission that really, of course, started with Jesus Christ himself, but was renewed uh, in, in the Second Vatican Council and certainly was carried on with uh, the Pope since then, Pope Paul VI, John Paul II, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, and of course today, Pope Francis. This whole mission, this great charge of the new evangelization, can really be distilled with one word, 
encounter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as you speak to uh, <laughs> this Carmelite spirituality uh, is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ on steroids, it is in many ways because what rests at the heart of that is that deeper encounter. And this is why a Carmelite spirituality is so relevant for the world today, mm -hmm. because out from that personal, deeper personal encounter, will we better understand this mission that has been entrusted to us. This uh, upcoming Sunday, we are going to hear from Mark, and we see you know, Christ casting out demons. And what does he do? He goes off alone to pray, mm -hmm. and the apostles follow him. Yeah. What are you doing? Well, I'm praying, huh? <laughs> Why? Why would he withdraw? We see him constantly withdrawing because our Lord is showing us that if we are going to be preaching, if we are going to be evangelizing, it must first yield to a life of prayer. And then, of course, what does he do? He goes on to his next mission. And does this not teach us? Let us never be caught uh, looking back on our successes, but always looking forward. And we do so with first being renewed in that interior life each and every day. So again, I, I make that point, you guys, because I think it's, it's so relevant for us today to appreciate what's going on here and specifically the importance of uh, Carmelite spirituality. There are certain things we do as secular Carmelites that are in union with the things that the friars and the nuns do that characterize our way of life. And um, one of them is we are united with the church in the praying of the divine office. So particularly lauds morning prayer and vespers evening prayer. So we pray the Psalms and we read the scripture and we pray from that. The other thing we do is attend mass as frequently as possible. So besides our Sunday obligation, we try and make it to church sometime during the week, ideally every day. Mm -hmm. We recall God's presence throughout the day and night. There's that famous book, and many of the listeners would be familiar with this, particularly the Protestants, The Practice of the Presence of God uh, by Brother, Brother Lawrence. Lawrence. Mm -hmm. uh, two parts. There's a series of, of, you might say, meetings or conferences he had with a French priest who has recalled what Brother Lawrence told him in direction. And then we have Brother Lawrence's letters. I think there are 12 or 14 letters that he wrote, but very instructive in seeking or recalling God's presence. And, and he's just one example of many Carmelites who have sought God's presence mm -hmm. and an awareness of God's presence, probably in response to St. Paul's words to pray unceasingly. Mm -hmm. We speak with God as both friend and Lord. Take time reading the Bible and, and other writings that are beneficial in the spirit of Lexio Divina. Like Mary, seeking how to fulfill people's needs, but remembering Mary's words, do what the Master tells you. So in seeking the face of God in the spirit of Mary, meditating upon God's presence and all he's done, and then looking to see how is it within the parish and within our community, within our families, we might be of service. Mm. So the apostolate of Carmel will be varied. Mm -hmm. um, Carmelites are not known just for schools or just for hospitals, okay? Certain orders will have a particular charism for a particular function, you know, be it education, be it health care. You'll find Carmelites in a variety of apostolates. 
But prayer is always the central focus, always the central focus. Mm -hmm. Just as the Franciscans uh, imitate the poverty of Christ, the Benedictines imitate the teaching Christ, we imitate the praying Christ. Mm -hmm. Amen. Our, our evangelization is in the area of spirituality. So within the parish, what's our leaven? Leaven is being, we're going to talk about Jesus, we're going to talk about prayer, we're going to point out the great Carmelite saints, the writings, we're going to attempt to live and to emulate that. And we're going to seek it in others. In other words, there could be a member of a parish who is um, in, in some way would be of great edification to us. So we're going to observe, really watch that person, okay, and um, imitate what they do. So as you guys are talking, I think we have arrived at that point maybe of discussing what the Catechism uh, more traditionally calls expressions of prayer, huh? the vocal prayer, meditation, uh, contemplative prayer. Certainly these modes of prayer are what lie at the heart of that Carmelite spirituality. And in many ways, when you go to the Catechism, it's interesting. You see uh, within the context of spirituality in general, the Catechism quoting uh, the Carmelites a great deal. George, earlier you spoke to uh, these three doctors of the Church. Um, so all that being said, what can we say to uh, these expressions of prayer, and, and how do they help us go deeper into this uh, more personal encounter with Jesus Christ? Um, well, in the beginning of our prayer life, most of us uh, start out with vocal prayer, and uh, we also can meditate about uh, things in Scripture or other spiritual books that say things that resonate with us. Um, but there comes a time, and we're preparing ourselves for that time, when God infuses us with his presence. Mm. We no longer want to think about anything. We're kind of captivated, captured by his presence, and, and we want to just be there with him. Because he is, this is not describable in human words. You have to experience to really understand. And many people do. The... Um the Scala Paradisi, or the ladder to heaven. Mm -hmm. Of course, Jesus uses this. He refers it to himself, the ladder of Jacob, sure, with the sure. angels ascending yeah. and descending. Uh, there was a Carthusian monk, Guigo II, who determined that there were four stages. The first stage, reading, or what we call in Latin, lexio, where you're reading the sacred scriptures. The second rung of the ladder, meditatio, the thinking about the, the scriptures, reflecting on the scriptures. Uh, the third part, oratio, or petition and praise, when just a natural outburst of the heart, you know, we, we praise God, we thank God, we glory in his presence, all his wonderful works, and we petition God, we ask him for various things. Then this delicious peace comes over, and Guigo calls that contemplatio or contemplation. That, in its highest form, is a is God's free gift, and it's completely passive. God will come in and will suspend the faculties of imagination, memory, imagination, but uh, in intellect, but he will hold our will, and there's a mysterious pulling. The gift of contemplation, words really can't quite suffice, but if you're interested in delving into that, you can read Fire Within by Father Thomas mm -hmm. Dupin. <laughs> now, there is also a rung on the ladder. If the gift doesn't come or is not present, we can still predispose ourselves to seeking God in silence. And so uh, there could be a, like an active meditation 
where we will simply, by intent, sit quietly for a certain period of time, maybe have a word of prayer to, to bring us back to that um, is, is a sign of our intention to seek God. Mm. Actually, we have to wait for God <laughs> to uh, gift us with the spirit of contemplation. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nothing we can do uh, to make it happen. We mm -hmm. don't manipulate God in this. It's mm -hmm. pure gift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as George was saying, there are things we can do to predispose ourselves. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. we can't just go to meditation time or prayer time and say, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to wait for God. Mm -hmm. And then our mind goes in all kinds of directions. <laughs> uh, so you do have to kind of start out with meditating or thinking about some good words. Mm -hmm. It's always important to remember it is not a technique. It is a relationship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And God is the one who gives us the gift. Mm -hmm. So we can practice our life of prayer, but, the, but ultimately it is God's gift. Go you ahead. can't make it happen and you can't keep it from going away. <laughs> it, you know, because it isn't something that lasts for a long time. It's minutes and uh, it, it's an amazing thing. You know, you talk about that predisposition, and I cannot help but think of John Paul II establishing the foundation of the new evangelization with that interior attitude of faith, that being predisposed, that, that being in relationship with God, but not yet in action, okay? That being ready, that surrender, essentially what Mary embodies. Uh, and isn't it interesting that you guys, that here we have John Paul II launching the new evangelization. And was he not a man of Carmelite spirituality? I mean, we forget he discerned the Carmelite life as a young man. And I believe when you look at the interior attitude of faith, what you see is St. John of the Cross. When you think about it that way, yeah, the Carmelite spirituality, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, they're very much at the heart of this because, indeed, uh, they are what lie at that interior attitude of faith, that disposition of being ready. Well, I'm uh, looking up at the clock, guys, and we are out of time. Any, uh, any closing thoughts? Well, seek God. Seek Jesus. Seek the face of Jesus. Read the scriptures. Take time to pray. And allow God to inspire you to serve your community. In, in the wake of that prayer, but seek Christ first. Amen. And if you'd like support and help in doing that, we do have that secular group in Red Bluff. Mm -hmm. And come and check it out. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, and is there a website or contact information maybe? Actually, Virginia? can I give my number? Of course you can. Of okay. course. Okay. So yeah. It's 527-6991. Just give me a call and I will direct you from there. 530 is the area code. I'm assuming people will be coming within the area code. <laughs> yes. Okay. So to repeat that, 530-527-6991. And again, that's Virginia, Virginia Hall. Also, the Western province of the Discalced Carmelite Order uh, has a website, and the Red Bluff group can be located on their map. That's true. With Virginia's contact information. Okay. And what's that website, George? Do you know? Um no, I, other than the Western province of the Discalced Carmelite. And, of course, the International Order has a website as well. Sure. It, it, it's the servers in Rome. And we mm -hmm. really have a web page in our parish website. Okay. Um, if you go to 
sacredheartredbluff.com. And on the tab at the top, you'll see Secular Carmelites. Click on there, and you will have tons of information for you. Very good. So if you're interested in joining this uh, secular spirituality, the Secular Carmelite spirituality, don't hesitate to uh, make a, a call. And I would also encourage all of you listeners out there, if you are tuning in by way of bo- podcast abroad, if uh, something we talked about this evening struck you and maybe you want to start something in your own neck of the woods, or maybe something has already uh, started and you, you're not aware of it, uh, do your homework. You know, maybe the the Lord is, is prompting you to something special. Amen. Well, in, in light of this discussion on prayer, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth. Heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.